Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. All right, take your Bible, open to Deuteronomy chapter 4. If you're following our reading for the year, uh, you will uh, enter Deuteronomy this week. Deuteronomy just simply means second law. It's not a new law, but rather uh, it is an emphasis on the preaching of the original that was given to Israel at Sinai back in Exodus and territory we've already covered through Leviticus. So uh, one of the major themes here, particularly this morning, is I think summed up good and well by James in chapter 4 of his letter where he writes, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Where we are in the journey is that um, after about 18 months that Egypt, uh, excuse me, that Israel left Egypt, that's through the Red Sea and the plagues, and that's part of the story, um, Israel arrived at a location known as Kadesh Barnea, and there they are on the eastern edge of the promised land. They have not gone in yet, it's just the edge, and Moses retells this story in Deuteronomy chapter 1 to a new generation. Uh, generation that was 20 and younger at the time they were in Kadesh Barnea. Anyway, Moses is ready for Israel to go into the promised land. He himself cannot go because he disobeyed God when he uh, struck the rock twice for water instead of God's command, which was to speak to the rock. Um, So because of that, he's not allowed to go in, but he is retelling this story for a reason, for this new generation that is coming so that they will hear the word of God and follow his path and follow his word and his direction. Um, And so as he is getting ready uh, to go, he's reminding them that they once had stood at this place of Kadesh Barnea and the people of God were ready to go in. He was ready to go in and yet they were a little, not quite ready. I said they were, but they're not quite ready. They want to know what's in the land before they go. They want to know who they're going to come up against. What people groups are there? What does the land actually look like? God has said it looks, is a, it's a land of flowing with milk and honey, but what does it actually look like? And so they convince Moses to send some spies into the land. You remember that story. Ten of them come back and say, there ain't no way. They're too big and hairy and scary, and we're not going to face them. We're not going to do it. Even if God is leading us, we can't do it. And there's Joshua and Caleb. Caleb is the spokesman. He said, we can do it. God will lead us forward. And so here we are. The people turn away from that. Moses turns away, and they do not go into the promised land the first time. Well, we're back after 38 and a half years of wandering through the desert. 18 months into the journey from Egypt, they're at the edge of the promised land, ready to go in. 18 months, and they will not go in. They cannot. They will not believe God. They don't trust God to lead them through. And so for the next 38 and a half years, folks, I turned 44 last November. 38 and a half years is a large portion of my life. For some of you, not so much. But for me, that's a large portion of my life. Some of you are not quite there yet. That's a long time. If you were 38, it would even cover you. It's your whole life. Do you think about that? That's a long time. 
38 and a half years wandering from place to place, never having a home, never having experienced the promised land of God. But that generation has died off, just as God said they would. They died in the wilderness. They died in a land that was not theirs. They died in a home that was not their home. Moses now is facing death in this in this Deuteronomy chapter 4, in this last book. He is facing death. Israel is facing a transition in leadership, which will go to Joshua, and this is his final work. It's his final uh, series of sermons that he will preach on the law, on what God has done in their past, what God wants to do moving forward, instructing this new generation of to what must be done. So in Deuteronomy chapter 4, like I said, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Why would we believe that? It's because God is faithful. That's going to be another theme of Moses, that God is faithful. Even though Israel is persistent in her sin, God is faithful. And his faithfulness will result time and time again in mercy to his sinful people who do not deserve that, nor do we, but because of his promise. Because that our God is a promise keeper and one who will keep his covenant that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Israel will go into the promised land. There's several other truths we'll look at this morning in Deuteronomy chapter four, but if you would stand as I read opening this morning with the first eight verses of Deuteronomy chapter four. If you have your Bible, look into it. If not, you can see it on the screen. Now Israel, listen to the statutes and ordinances I am teaching you to follow so that you may live Enter and take possession of the land the Lord your God, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You must not add anything to what I command you or take away from it, so that you may keep the commands of the Lord your God I am giving you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed every one of you um, who followed Baal of Peor. But you, who have remained faithful to the Lord your God, are all alive today. Look. I have taught you statutes and ordinances as the Lord my God has commanded me so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to possess. Carefully follow them, for this will show your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of the peoples. When they hear about all these statutes, they will say, this great nation is indeed a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call to him? And what great nation has righteous statutes and ordinances like this entire law I set before you today? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is holy and always right, truthful, without error. Father, thank you that we can read and hear from your word this morning. Lord, what we do not know, I pray you would teach us. And what we are not yet, that you would continue to make us as you work to bring about Christ-likeness and holiness in our life. Father, thank you. Thank you for working in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Friends, we have to listen to and keep the word of God. That's Moses' first admonition to us, his first command, his first imperative, is that as he's calling the people to listen what what he was about to say. Listen to what God has said. The first three chapters of this book are lessons of what happened. It's history. It's gone. It's done and over. Now God is calling his people to move forward. What Moses is saying is, history must not be forgotten, but please don't repeat what Israel did in the past. Unfortunately, they will from time to time repeat that sin of idolatry. But here is the imperative. Listen Listen to what is to follow. Listen to the word of God. 
He says, now Israel, listen to the statutes and ordinances I am teaching you to follow. Listen to what is being said. When we open the word of God, we listen to the word of God. We listen to what Moses said as God directed him. We listen to what Jesus taught. We listen to what David sung in the Psalms. We listen to what the word of God is saying to us. So the statutes and the ordinances, that's another way to say the the law that God had spoken to Moses in that previous generation. But why is it so important to listen? Well, he says it right there in the next part of the verse. So that you may live, enter, and take possession of the land the Lord, the God your fathers, is giving you. Here he spent three chapters telling this generation how the past generation stumbled and failed, how they worshiped God as Moses is receiving uh, the law, as they worshiped God in the wrong way and they worshiped the wrong God by the golden calf. And they ascribed the name of the great I am to that golden calf and they worshiped and celebrated the wrong thing in the wrong way. It's called idolatry. As they were guilty of that, as as Moses would lead them and, and do his best at times, but even their leader would stumble and fall. Here is the the warning and the imperative. Listen to what I am about to say. Listen to what I am teaching. Listen to the word of God so that you can live, so that you can take possession of this land that the previous generation could not. And then he says in verse two, you must not add anything to what I command you or take away any, any from it, anything from it so that you can keep the commands of the Lord your God I'm giving you. Now, there's a a group known as the Pharisees in the New Testament that have done just that, and Jesus will get on to them and teach them in Matthew chapter 23 as they added to the law constantly, trying to make it harder for just regular people to to follow and and know God through their added law. That's exactly what he said not to do. Friends, what Moses is saying here is that everything God had given Israel was settled Everything that God had given to Israel was true. There's nothing added to it. There's nothing that needs to be added to it. There's nothing that needs to be taken away. We don't need to trim the fat. It's all there. And in its total content, it is powerful in that it brings life. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says. For the word of God is living and effective. It's not a dead old stuffy book that sits on the countertop or in the bookshelf or in some box when you move. It is living and effective. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It will penetrate deep into your soul and your spirit. That's how deep it will go. In fact, it is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. We like to try to do that, but we can't. Only the word of God is able to judge the intentions of the heart. Listen to what follows. It's settled content. Nothing needs to be added to or taken away. In fact, we'll hear that again at the end of Revelation. We hear that same same word there for us today. But he says, hear it so that you may live. Hear it so that you may live. The first generation didn't do that. In verse 3, he says, your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed every one of you who followed Baal of Peor. Now you have to go to Numbers chapter 25 to find out what Moses is talking about. If you'll go there, you will find in that story that Israel had intermingled with foreign women, which was a strict, uh, a strict law not to do that. Why? What's wrong with that? It's not a racial thing. It's a worship thing. 
The foreign women were able to entice the men of Israel to worship their gods. It all, we always think, oh, I, it, friends, it's easier to get pulled down and pull somebody up. And there's a reason God had put that in place, so that the worship would be reserved for him and him alone. But what happened is they intermingle. They're not getting married. They're prostituting themselves, and their worship is now gone. So much so that they sacrificed and worshiped Baal. Baal is a God, uh, the name of a God that you hear frequently in the Old Testament, but it is a false God and is an idol. And so here they are, once again, stuck in idolatry. That generation that Moses is talking about is the generation that was in the wilderness. They're gone, but who of them survived? Well, Moses tells us those who remain are the ones who remain faithful to Yahweh. They kept trusting God. The enticements of the world are strong, my friend. They try to pull us and pull our heart and our affection to say, no, 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 that God that is unseen, that's no God at all. I mean, how ridiculous is it to worship a God you can't see? This is your God. This is what will make you whole. This will make you complete. This will help your family. This will help your marriage. All of these things thrown at us by commercials and ads and, and, and whatever else we could see out there. Facebook tries to throw stuff in now, right? Always listening. They want to know. They know where your secrets and your weaknesses are. They're trying to hit you. This is, this is all this stuff. When all the time he's right here, he's right here. He's given us everything we need right here in his word. Those who remain faithful to Yahweh, to the I am, are the ones who survive. Verse four is the key. He says, not only are we to hear and listen to the word of God, uh, but we are also to remain faithful to him. So here it is. If you will listen to the word of God, you are more likely to keep The word of God, which means you will stay in a path of faithfulness to him. You keep reading. You keep focusing on the word of God. You keep filling your mind with the truth of God's word, and it blocks out all the lies and the falsehood that the world is trying to throw at us. We listen to the word of God. We're going to keep the word of God because we're in it. We're being saturated in it, which means we'll continue to walk in faith and trust him along the way. But too often we go off thinking that our way is better or that this and that, you know, this book was written for a different time in a different place. It's so ancient. It's over 2,000, thousands and thousands of years old. Like it's just, you know, how could it possibly be relevant to our life today? And I would ask you, how would the things of this world that are not perfect, that are not inerrant, they're full of error, full of lies, how would you want to listen to something that is not perfect when his word right here before us is the one that is perfect. It's been tried, it's been tested, and it comes out clean every single time. Listen, let me, let me tell you something else. You need to be real careful when you hear somebody say, God told me. Oh, really? God told me. You need to check the word of God on what you hear people say. When God, someone says, God told me, how does it check with the word of God? Because if it's out of order with the word of God, God, did, God is not the one speaking. That's someone speaking to themselves or a demonic influence speaking to them. And I want you to hear me say, when I open up this book, you are charged in Acts 17, 11, to be of noble character. You dig and you see if what I'm saying is accurate by the word of God. I don't care what Charles Stanley has to say. I don't care what Robert Jeffress has to say. I don't care what any other Facebook preacher has to say, because I are one still, you know. We're on Facebook Live. I, I want you to judge and take what I say and judge it according to the word of God. Okay? All right. You commit to doing that. 
Because that's what I do. That's how I was taught. And that's what we do. That's how we know. So we listen to and keep the word of God. Don't listen to and keep the word of the preacher. I'm fallible. God's word is not. It is infallible. All right? We listen to and keep his word. Why do we do that? Well, there's a couple of reasons Moses gives us. One, because it's certain. It's certain. Look again. You, have, who, you who have remained faithful to the Lord your God are alive today. You that remain faithful are alive. If you listen to and keep the word, it is certain that there is life in these words. Verse six shows us that his word also builds us up. The big word there is edifying or edification, that we carefully follow them. And if we will carefully follow them, it will show our wisdom and understanding to the world. Now, is that to make people look at us? No, it's to help people see the Lord's work in our life. We are to show Jesus off to the world. We are to show them, not just with our life, not with our perfect little families or our perfect little church, but by the grace of God pouring out from our lips, by living and speaking the gospel, sharing the gospel to the world. That shows wisdom. That shows that we are understanding the scriptures, that they too would hear the same promise and receive the same hope that we have. Verse seven, that there is comfort in these words. Look at verse seven. What great nation is there that has a God near, uh, near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call to him? Can you imagine that? Israel being the only people group on the face of the earth that had a special calling from God, you will be my people and I will be your God. He didn't make that promise to the Canaanites or the Philistines or the Sumerians or the Babylonians. He didn't make that promise. He made it to Israel. You will be my people and I will be your God. What a, what a comfort that is to know that, hey, you're going into battle. You're gonna go walk around Jericho for seven days. You better have God on your side, the Lord God, Yahweh, the I am. Verse nine, there is also a, a lasting nature to the word of God. Here, here's Psalm 19, verses nine through 11. You turn there later in the week and read if you will, but Psalm 19, verses nine and 11 says, the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable. The ordinances, that's the law, the word. It's a different name, different way to say it. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable, altogether righteous. They're always right. They're never wrong, always true. Verse 10, they are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them, and in keeping them, there is abundant reward. Jesus said he came to give life and to give it abundantly. It's not a deeper bank account or an easier life but more of him, more of him. Listening to and keeping the word of God leads us in that relationship, that covenant relationship into a growing relationship with the Lord. Now, as we listen to and keep the word of God, we also are called here to remember the work of God, the word of God and the work of God. Verse nine holds that imperative for us. Be on your guard and diligently watch yourselves. Okay, all about keeping watch, being on guard, guarding the heart, diligently watching what's happening around us and in our own life. But he called them to be on guard and watchful so that they would remember the work of God. Look at verse nine. Only be on your guard and diligently watch yourself so that you don't forget the things your eyes have seen and so that you, they don't slip from your mind as long as you live. 
Remember the work of God. As long as you are alive, don't forget what God has done for you. Friends, there is an element of worship in this. Part of the reasons we sing and the songs that we sing is, and what the choir does on Sunday morning uh, is to help us remember by the words we're singing and the songs we're singing, help us to remember the work of God. If you go to the book of Psalms, you know, kind of the original hymn book, if you will, by, written by David mostly. There are others who participated in that that God used to bless us with his word of song. But those are songs. Those are songs that would be sung. And if you read through them, you will hear stories. You will hear what God is doing. Uh, like Psalm 119 is a song of devotion to the word of God and how important and special it is to the psalmist. Psalm 51 is a famous one. That is one that is a, a song of repentance from David. Psalm chapter 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want the song of special relationship between God and his people. These help us remember the work of God. Now, that's not the only aspect to singing and worship and what that is, but that's a huge part um, of why we do what we do to help us remember the work of God. They serve to help remind us of his work, of his activity in our life. They also help to guard our hearts. Why do we need to guard our heart? Well, Psalm, uh, Proverbs 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 23 says, guard your heart above all else. It's the source of life. So we go to the words that are life to guard the heart, which is the source of life. We understand that if we listen and keep the word of God, it's going to help us remember the work of God, which means that our hearts are guarded and protected. How is that even possible? What does that look like practically? Psalm, again, Psalm 119, the song that leads us to celebrate the word of God, says, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Now, there's another imperative here that I don't want to skip over. We touched on it in our prayer time a few moments ago, but we find it at the end of verse 9. Be on your guard and diligently watch yourselves. You don't forget the things that your eyes have seen. And right there at the end, the last sentence of verse nine, teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Teach them what God has done. Teach them how God has been at work in your life. I had a, a, a lady um, in the church, one of the churches I've pastored, um, when talking about children's ministry and how we needed some volunteers to help teach Sunday school and some other, fill in some gaps in some other ministries. And she said, she said, I spent my time up there teaching kids. Let the next generation deal with them. I'm retired. Except that the Bible tells us to teach the next generation. Maybe we didn't need her teaching. <laughs> That's kind of the attitude. But we need to teach the next generation of what God has done. The next generation of children need to know how God has worked in Coastal Oaks Church in her past. They need to know how God has been at work through Christ at the cross and in the resurrection. They need to know the great stories of those who have come before us. They need to be discipled just like we need to be discipled. So again, I invite you to keep praying as we search for that role of children's minister. And I wanna just compliment uh, Daylene for stepping in uh, in a time of need to serve as our interim. And uh, she's done a, a fantastic job minding the gap. And we pray that God would lead us in the direction he would have for us. And I believe if we don't, we will miss out. And we could 
I, I don't wanna be the pastor that misses the next generation for Coastal Oaks Church. And we're not gonna do that. So let's keep praying. Moses reminds the Israelites here in, in chapter, chapter four, though, getting back to this, he says, hear what God did. This is God's work. The day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, verse 10, the Lord said to me, assemble the people before me and I will let them hear my words so that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on earth and may instruct their children. You came near and stood at the base of the mountain, a mountain blazing with fire into the heavens and enveloped in a totally black cloud. Then the Lord spoke to you from the fire, words from the fire. You kept hearing the sound of the words, but didn't see a form. There was only a voice. He declared his covenant to you. He commanded you to follow the Ten Commandments, which he wrote on two stone tablets. At that time, the Lord commanded me to teach you the statutes and ordinances for you to follow in the land that you are about to cross into and possess. We are commanded in the New Testament to make disciples. Matthew chapter 28 and the other four gospels touch on it as well. Moses reminds him of God's work. He called you, he spoke to you, you didn't see him, but his presence was there. You heard him and he called me to teach you. Friends, that is exactly what Jesus has done for us. When he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. His presence is still with us today, but we are called to make disciples who make disciples for the glory of God in all that we do. Lots of folks will listen to the talk of salvation, but when you get down to talk about making disciples and breaking down the hard parts of our heart with discipleship and following Jesus. We get a little sketchy about that. We get a little ishy, uh, uh, iffy and wishy-washy on that sometimes, but I wanna encourage you to find a life group. If you need help with that, come find me. You can, uh, you can reach out to anybody on our staff about that. You can even go on your way out and pick up. Yes, it's a shameless commercial, but I love you anyway. Um, there's this nice little purple form on the way out your door. These are all of our life groups that meet during the week, Sunday to, Sunday to Saturday. There's a group meeting, and you can find one of these available. And if there's not a group meeting for you, by golly, email me or call me, and we'll get you one going, okay? Because nobody left behind. We got to get about discipleship. That's what we need to be about. So here we are. We're listening and keeping the word of God. We're remembering the work of God. All of those lead us to worship the wonder of God. Look at verse 15. Diligently watch yourselves, all right, here we go again, keep watch, because you did not see any form on the day the Lord spoke to you out of the fire at Horeb, so you don't act corruptly and make an idol for yourself in the shape of any figure, a male or female form, any other uh, animal on the earth, any winged creature that flies in the sky, any creature that crawls on the ground, or any fish in the waters under the earth. When you look to the heavens and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the stars in the sky, do not be led astray to bow and worship to them and serve them. The Lord your God has provided them all for people everywhere under heaven. But the Lord selected you and brought you out of Egypt's iron furnace to be a people for his inheritance as you are today. Here's what's happening in this moment. By reminding this generation, what happened in the previous generation. I mean, you're there at the bottom of the mountain. You see the, the cloud covering the mountain. You hear the voice. You hear all of it. You don't see him. And so what happens? They lost interest on some level, and they ask Aaron to form this 
golden calf for them and, and ascribed God's proper name, the I am, to this golden calf. So they're worshiping God in the wrong way and they're using God's name in the wrong way, invoking it upon this golden calf. This is not their God. Their God was up talking to Moses, giving him the law. I mean, so many things were inverted and corrupt in this moment. In fact, Moses says, don't act corruptly and make an idol for yourselves in the shape of any living thing. Now, Paul writes to the Roman believers about this very issue in Romans chapter one. He says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. And he continues on down the line. But this that phrase, the truth of God for a lie, which means that they did not remember his work. They were not in his word and keeping his word. They forgot God and his faithfulness. Friends, he does not change, yet the people are changing because they have forgotten him. They have turned away from him. All the things they could see that Paul is writing about, they, like us today, we get distracted by the same things. All those things they put their belief and trust in when really they should have put their trust and their belief in what is unseen. But God here is set against the idols of the people groups around Israel. They would come into play, all right? One difference, one big difference is that all of those deities around Israel, the Canaanites, all of that list of people groups that are there, they all have idols that can be seen. And yet the God of Israel is a God who said, you do not make an image of me. You don't know what I look like. Yeah, it's impossible. And, and whatever you make is not going to be right. It's going to be so less than all that he is. And so for Israel to try and put an image to him is to reduce the great God of the universe, the creator and the I am, into the image of a, a, a pagan image of sorts. That which is created is what he's saying. That is the corruption. Here's how it goes. It goes all the way back to Genesis 1 in the creation. Okay, follow me here. He's saying, don't make an image of any living thing is essentially what he has said. God commanded Adam in Genesis chapter one, and he told Adam that he would rule over the fish, the birds, the livestock, and the creatures that move along the ground. Okay, so here's the order. This is God's way. God over man, man rules over creation on God's behalf. But here's where idolatry and the corruption comes in, that man has made an image in a created thing. So now we've got created things over man because he's worshiping an idol. He's worshiping, I don't know, a, a golden calf or a, a, a snake or, or some other kind of animal with no concern now for the creator. It's completely flip-flopped. God over man over creation. But what we do is say creation or created thing over us with little concern for God. This is how we get corrupt. This is how we fall into idolatry. In verse 23 and 24 is the final warning. He says, watch yourselves because God is a consuming fire. He is jealous. It's not petty selfishness and envy like we get wrapped up in sometimes, but it's his claim to what is right, that he defends his right to recognition and honor and glory worship by his people. So we listen to and we keep the word. We remember the work of God. We worship the wonder of God alone. But what happens if we don't? Well, what happened for Israel 
is a final warning that comes out in verse 25. He says, when you have children and grandchildren and have been in the land a long time, and if you act corruptly, make an idol in the form of anything and do what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, angering him, he says, you'll quickly perish from the land you're about to cross and possess. You're not gonna live there very long. God's gonna scatter you among the peoples. You'll be reduced to a few survivors among the nations where God will drive you. Essentially, you're gonna go into exile. You're gonna leave the promised land. You're not gonna get to live there anymore. You're gonna perish from the land. You're not gonna live there. You're gonna be destroyed. You're gonna be scattered. You'll be reduced in number. What was once a great and mighty nation is few in number now. You will worship gods that are dumb, speechless, powerless to change anything, especially the distress that you have from being separated from God. And that's where they end up, is in distress. You will find that come true for Israel, for the northern kingdom of Israel in 1 Chronicles 5 and 2 Kings 17, where the northern kingdom is, uh, is taken into exile. But then here is this verse in verse 30. It starts in verse 29. From that moment of despair, you will search for the Lord your God and you will find him when you seek him out with all your heart and all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you in the future, you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. He will not leave you, destroy you, or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them by the oath because the Lord your God is a compassionate God. Friends, there's always grace and mercy. It may not look like it when you hear things like, you're not gonna live there very long, you're gonna perish from the land, you're gonna be scattered out, you're gonna be reduced in number. That sounds pretty harsh until you get to the end and you find out that God is still with them. Man, if somebody doesn't give you the time of day, what do you, you write them off. I'll unfriend them on Facebook, I'll show them. <laughs> As if that does anything. We cast judgment, we pour out, try to pour out our wrath on those who offend us, and while, all the while our God is saying, I still love you. I'm still gonna follow after you. I'm still gonna care for you. I'm still watching over you, and I'm here waiting for you for the moment that when you turn back to me and you cry out in repentance, I am here with open arms ready to receive you. That's why there's always a remnant that holds out. That's why we hear the promise of grace. He will not leave you or destroy you. He will not forget the covenant that, you, that he promised to your ancestors. Our God is a God who keeps his promise. What's the key in all of that? The key is repentance. You will search for the Lord your God. Friends, when you go chasing idols, when you go chasing other things that you think are gonna fulfill you in your life and make you the man God wants you to be or the man you wanna be or the woman you wanna be, make you to be a better mom or a better dad or better grandparent or better employee and it has nothing to do with the word of God and has nothing to do with anything that he's calling you to, you're just chasing your own tail round and round in circles, not getting anywhere. When that stops, and you realize how far away you are from the Lord, and you start searching after him, seeking first the kingdom of God, you start in repentance. Repentance doesn't need to be an if, but a when. When, that there is grace there, and there is mercy. Ending up in times of renewal and refreshing revival. 
So not paying attention, ignoring all that God had said ends up in distress, false worship, forgetting corruption on down the line, ending up in a path of destruction, but the cure is found when we turn to the Lord. That's the answer. The rest of James chapter four, verse eight says, cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's a call to repentance. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, you double-minded. It's a call to repentance. Acts chapter three, verse 19. Therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. And times of refreshing and renewal will come through the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, this is such an important thing. Here's what it looks like for us as followers of Christ. Paul writes in Colossians 3, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Listen to and keep the word of God. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Remember the work of God. For you died and your life is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory, worshiping the wonder of God and his glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature. Here's a long list of things that get us in trouble. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. Friend, time is ticking, and that day is coming when his judgment will be once and for all. But he says, you once walked in these things when you were living in them, but now, what happened? What's that but now moment? It's because of Christ. But now, put away all the following, anger, wrath, and malice, slander, filthy language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you have put on the... uh, you put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. That is the one that is in Christ. You are being renewed in the knowledge according to the image of your creator. Don't invert what God has set in place. That in Christ, you are on the journey to Christ-likeness. Don't invert that and say, I don't want Christ-likeness. I want created things-likeness. Don't do that. Christ's likeness is God's gift to you. It's his grace and his mercy to pull you and bring you along and to move you forward to that heavenward calling in Christ Jesus. Friend, if you have exchanged the creator for the created in your heart, then this morning the call for you is a call for repentance. If you have forgotten the work of God, repent. If you are listening to and keeping the word of God, praise God. God, that he is at work in your life, keep going forward. Keep in the word. If your heart is set on being made in the image of the created, which means you're trying to identify with what the world is offering, the latest fad, I'll identify like this, I'll identify like that. I'll identify as Michael Jordan, but I still can't dunk a basketball. Or you submit yourself to the work of God where he is at work to fashion you into the image of Christ. To repent and return. 